Welcome to Ethereal Underground. I'm your host, TNT, and this is episode 42. I'm happy to have with me a good friend and special guest, Joe, for tonight's interview. And like previous guests, we'll ask Joe, describe a little bit about himself, whatever he feels comfortable relating to the audience, where he grew up, what generation is he, does he have any siblings? And then get his perspective. What happened after high school? Did he choose a specific career? What led him to where he is today? And then just get his take on life. It's always interesting to hear people's perspective. There's never any wrong answer because we're asking people what they think, what they've observed. And I certainly enjoy having interview guests in their perspective. So with that being said, I want to Welcome, Joe, to the Ethereal Underground audience. I'm TNT, your host. And with that, Joe, welcome. And I'll let you speak for a few minutes and kind of take it away and tell us a little bit about yourself, and we'll get right into it. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. And I'm glad to be here. I've listened to a lot of these, and now nice to actually be part, partaking in it. So do appreciate it. Name is Joe. I'm about 40, well, 41 years old. And I grew up here on the East Coast, born and raised for the most part. Let's see, parents were in Navy military family, so definitely Navy brat. They kind of hauled me and my family all over the Far East for several years. But essentially, I got to return to the area I grew up in. So here on the East Coast, born into a military family. Let's see, spent pretty yeah all my life here, middle school, like elementary school, high school, you know, college as well. Just being able to kind of grow up and just see the area here develop and evolve. Let's do you have any si- do you have any siblings or you buy I do have siblings yes so i have one brother let's see he's probably about four years younger than me recently just got married actually and you know had the same kind of upbringing as, as we came up both kind of on the same track just did the normal routine of schooling and college afterwards just you know looking for what the next plan or next step is going to be but doing everything was kind of expected of us for the most part my parents both my parents came from large families Dad had 13 brothers and sisters. Oh, uh, wow. Inner city. Yeah, in the inner city. So I have a lot of cousins. So yeah, you do. It's kind of interesting being able to see how my life diverged from some of my other cousins, especially coming from the inner city. My dad was, you know, born and raised in a, you know, rough parts of an inner city and socioeconomic. You can see how life could have gone for you if, you know, he would have stayed there within that environment. So I, I do have a lot of other cousins, at least 30 plus probably still kind of within, you know, that lifestyle, you know, growing up and still doing their thing, but just watching some folks repeating certain cycles and doing the best to kind of help and guide family members the the best you can. So, you know, just, I guess we can kind of give it up to the military for offering my my parents a a different life, but at the same time, it's, I do kind of see which way it could have gone if if that hadn't taken place in, in both their lives. Now, your dad, being of 13 kids, where was he out of the 13? Was he in the middle, youngest, oldest? 
one of the oldest. So I think he was the second, if not third oldest out of 13. And I think it was originally 14 or 15, but, you know, some died pretty early on along the way. But okay. 13, 13, you know, was, was the bulk of it for the most part. Now, when he, he went, you said that he went into the Navy? He went into the Navy, correct. Yes. Is, now, did he meet your, you said your mother was also in the Navy. Did he meet her in the Navy? Correct, correct. Okay. My mother was from, she was nationalized. She was originally from Jamaica. So she, I think, joined the military like 17. Her mom had to sign some papers for her to join the military at a young age, but she became a nationalized citizen through the, through oh. the Navy. Okay, well, that's neat. So... Uh... They must have, then they met in the Navy. Are they similar in age? Yeah, they're about a little less than a year apart for the most oh, part. Okay. So it was a pretty quick, pretty quick wedding for them over there in, in the military though. So you, I guess it's, you find somebody you, you want to be with and you have six to seven, eight months to, to really make a life before you get reassigned. Mm-hmm. And then they both, did they both make Navy a career? For the most part, my mom more so. My mom retired. I think she was like an E6 chief petty officer. She There's like a certain testing you have to do in order to move up to the ranks in the military. And she did okay. it, you know, a few times. And, you know, she did great work, but she wasn't able to kind of get to that next level of becoming a chief petty officer, E7 more or less. My dad was a corpsman. So he was a military medical guy, you know, doing a lot of stuff in the ERs and hospitals, but he didn't make a career of it. My mom more so did. Okay. And then... You, you're the oldest out of two, and then you going to school there in the East Coast. Did you go to college right away? After I went to college school? directly after high school. I did a community college for two years. I wasn't really sure which direction I was going, so I, you know, did two years kind of living at home. Yeah, and then the next two to three years I did away, like with in-state school. And then when you when you went into school, what what did you major in? Originally, it was computer science, and I, I realized okay. my brain wasn't really designed for, for, for computer science. The math was a little bit, the programming was just a little bit beyond me at the point. I mean, I learned some afterwards, after school, but to make like a dedicated education out of it, you know, paying for it, it just wasn't, wasn't my thing. So I switched to uh, history. That's kind of where I got a lot of my foundations for understanding some of our previous chats, how, yes. the, the, the pre, the, how things were going in, in the old days. Right, because you you were pretty studious, weren't you, about the Roman Empire? Yeah, I studied a lot of military and Roman history yeah. uh, in, in high school. So it's just, I will say, I didn't realize it at the time, but I guess a thesis question always presented to us in college was, please make the comparisons of Roman history to the United States right now. And I'm like, what kind of question is that? <laughs> right. <laughs> and it, it didn't make any sense to me until I got out of college. And I'm like, oh, that's what they're talking about. So it's just drawing the parallels was, you know, it's kind of scary. Right. Cause we've, we've known each other at at least four plus years. And I know you. Yeah. Yeah. Probably 2008. I would say if it's not late 2017, it's probably middle of 2018, I think. Yeah. 2017, 2018. And then we, we had a lot of discussions. Yeah. History is important because of its correlation today, but especially the Roman empire, because the, European settlement of the colonies, North North America, the United States obviously has its roots in the Roman Empire, the, the, the governance and then the mercantile, the banking, a lot of that of, of the Western world has its roots. So understanding the model, especially of that 
Empire, how kind of fragmented off, and you have the British, Anglo-American British alliance in history is fascinating. We've had a lot, I know we've had a lot of discussions in that. When you when you graduated and then you've got you had your major in, in history, what what did you do for work in those days after college? Well, my plan was to try and get a, a job at the archives, but I, it was a very involved process as far as, you know, government jobs and whatnot, too. So alternatively, I became a recruiter looking for people, you know, specific skill sets, technical information, technology, a whole host of just different, like, Technology, IT backgrounds, more or less, is how I got my foot in the door to doing what I'm doing now. Yeah, so basically just talking to people on their phone, on the phone about their, their, what they're looking for, what they're doing, qualifications, middleman more so, more or less than anything, matching on point, point A with point B. Now, when you say a recruiter, are, are you allowed to, are yeah, you allowed yeah. to say or give us a hint? Like, who, who do you, which government agency are, are you recruiting for? This wasn't government when I first started. So initially oh. I got my foot in the door with, with information technology. After that, like where my career developed into is basically every government agency, you know, you can probably think of right now if I've, I've staffed for at some point, you know, okay. pick, a, pick a three letter agency, I've probably staffed for it at some point. So it's, you know, playing the role. It's just, this is my career as far as understanding what people are looking for with that environment and, uh, you know, matching up point A with point B. That's, that was, that was really it. Now, I'm, I'm not familiar with how that works. So that this, I'm going to ask some probably dumb or silly questions. I remember growing up, people saying, oh, there's no such thing as a dumb question. Yeah, there was. My teachers all the time said that, that, was, that that's a dumb question. <laughs> but uh, obviously, like the government doesn't use Indeed, do they, <laughs> to, to recruit? Oh, they do. Yeah, actually, they do. Oh, Surprisingly, they do? yes. Yes, they do. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's all about really just getting up a position where people can see it and then filtering through people who are, are applying, more or less. So it's just filters, more or less. It's just, you know, algorithms, filters, however you want to define it. It's just get a basket of resumes and just filter through them until you find the right qualified candidate. Have you, is there such a thing, have you had one of the most bizarre or, or unusual placements or headhunter <laughs> that you've I've seen some weird stuff. Yeah, I've, I've seen a few weird underground facility type stuff. I'm like, oh, gosh, what, what is that? <laughs> so you can, you know, if oh. when you, it's an interesting dynamic of working that environment and still kind of understanding what's going on and playing dumb. And it, it's, it's a fine line you walk. So <laughs> you, know, it's, it's a, you just kind of sit there and like, OK, I know what that is, but I can't sit here and say that because they'll probably fire me. But let me just play dumb and smile and smile and dial, smile and nod. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So you kind of gave us some insight without revealing we, we don't want to get you in trouble by any means. Let me ask you this, if, if you're able to answer this, what, is there any unusual recruitments or anything dealing with Antarctica? Or you just not that personally, not that I've not that I've worked. I mean, I, I've heard about them through, you know, certain circles. I'm sure we've seen and listened to some of the same people that talk about that. But I've never seen anything like that personally. Like I said, the weirdest one I saw was an underground facility type 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 role. And I that nothing really beyond that other than your standard rocket scientist or, you know, telemetry payload type stuff. So, right. OK. And is that mostly 
is that mostly domestic United States or some of these positions, other parts of the world? Most, mostly domestic. Everything's domestic. here. Yeah. Okay. So I always like to ask people when you, you're in your 40s. So what, what decade was it that you graduated? I graduated in 1999 from high school. I late graduated 90s, yeah. late nineties. Yeah. It was the okay. last, last class of the nineties. So, you know, it's, so it's interesting. you were, if it's 99, that's, that's when Prince had that song member party. Like it's 1999. Like it's 1999. Yep. And you, yep. you remember that? Wasn't that when they had that Y2K scare? Which was complete dud, you know, and cause I was yeah. working, I was just really getting my foot into it at the time. So I know the big thing was finding, the amount of money that went into that leading up to the whole dot-com boom was like, man, why didn't I capitalize? How, how couldn't I have just gone into business for myself just riding <laughs> that wave? So it's just an interesting dynamic, understanding like the, the crises and, and uh, boom-bust cycles, more or less. Right. Yeah. If I could only turn back the, the time, turn back the clock, I would have bought moron.com and pets.com. Pets.com. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. We all know that one. Yeah. So from 1999, graduating high school, 1999 to today, have you seen any changes in society? <laughs> None at all. Not, not a one. I remember reading about them in books, but I never, I never experienced them firsthand. But yeah, it's, it's always a, it's a slow boil. I mean, just to kind of, the price of gas was just amazingly low when I first got my driver's license. It's probably about 89 90 cents from what i can remember in like 98 99 which was like wow you just didn't realize how good you had it back then so that, that that's a big one but as far as how society has changed over over time it's it's mind-blowing just looking back at it it's like wow everything has evolved so quickly but it's just you almost need to step outside of yourself to realize how it's impacted you more or less but yeah, I was always kind of going with the herd for the longest time, like probably up until maybe six, seven years outside of college. You know, I was just going along with the group, just kind of going along with everybody else. But at some point I was just like, wait a minute, something's something's off here. You know, and then when I started saying that to myself and going deeper, you know, I started kind of migrating away from what the herd was doing, including like friends I've known since since kindergarten, which was very weird. That was the hardest part for me, probably. Was there any particular event that started to wake you up? Like a lot of people, you would have been just out of high school, but in 2001, the New York account and the Pentagon, maybe Pennsylvania, the, theoretically the plane going, that that was a moment where people started to maybe question things and started the journey of looking at life a little bit different. So you would have been younger than maybe in junior college, but was there any particular event where you started to think differently and question maybe the matrix or the narrative, or is it just a gradual series of events, nothing really defined to where you started to look at life different and different than your peers. Yeah, it, it started then. Like I remember watching, what, what, the, what really trips me out is a lot of the people that I've known since elementary school, since middle school, since high school, since college, like I still have relationship, relationships with to the day, still today. And the hard part is 
the fact that we experience some of those same moments together, they still can't understand what's going on is, is difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we had, we experienced the same, like, you know, Kennedy moment, like live on TV and you guys still can't really put the pieces together yet as far as what's, what's happening here in this matrix. So that was, you know, it, it, it's difficult at times, just the fact that you're the crazy guy calling stuff out, but you have to kind of let it go and just plant the seeds and just know they'll see it at some point, you know, just kind of keep it moving. Maybe they'll see it. Maybe they won't. You know, it's like, if you weren't seeing it before this point, then you're, you're not going to see it. Yeah, I, I've accepted that to, to a point, to a degree. Did you, did you get, did you get, uh, let's see how I can ask this. And, and, you can evade the question if need be, but were you able to deal with the pressure of getting a certain pharmaceutical formula? I'm still dealing with the pressure. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm still dealing with the pressure. So that's, that's, yeah. And it's, it, what's, what's tough is now it's like all the moments we're, we're reliving the aftermath of those two years now. And the hard part is, it's like you're reliving all the emotions of you sticking to your guns, but now here's why you're sticking to your guns. And it's, my words don't mean anything now. It's like the actions you're taking, the actions you took are going to have repercussions and consequences, like with a two-year delta. And it's just, it's just, it's hard and it's hard to watch. You know, it's like, it's, I'm sure we all had that moment where we just kind of really accepted what it was but it's like the fallout really is just now starting to hit. And that's the hardest part about it. So, you know, I, I would do it all over again and still make the same decisions for me and my family. I will sit here and struggle just to avoid keeping me and my family away from that situation by all means. Yeah. But it's like, man, I just wish more people just would have like just taken heed. I almost got like canceled from Thanksgiving. You know, I was like, we're not coming there because you don't trust the science. And I'm like, oh, my, what? <laughs> it's like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> is, is that is that where we are? So, you know, it, it's 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 tough, but I have to treat it with like a compassion and, and an open heart at the same time, still, regardless of, of what it was. Well, what's interesting is three years ago in, in January this month, I was on Rogue News, as you know, and I was one of the first on the Internet forecasting in great detail what was going on and what to expect. And it seemed very fantastical back then. I get goosebumps uh, thinking about it because uh, you almost you, un- unbelievable yeah, conspiracy yeah. type. Yep. And uh, of course, I knew, wackadoodle. Wackadoodle. <laughs> and I, I knew exactly what I was saying, I had a lot of evidence and I was at the tip of the spear. So you fast forward to today and Unfortunately, 100% of everything I spoke of in great detail, in detail with clarity three years ago, 100% of it has absolutely come true. It is still coming true. And what's interesting is about a year ago, I quit discussing it. The reason being is I was at the tip of the spear. I was an early forecaster three years ago. When there was a lot of unknowns, but not from my science background, the research I had done. And a year ago when I stopped, it's because I said everything that needed to be said. And it was was documented three years ago. And I realized there's no point in discussing it any further a year ago when I made that, because I realized the phenomenon in society 
that the chasms have been cast, even down to marriage partners, family, workmates, neighbors, the chasm is never going to be repaired. And you, you get to a point where it doesn't matter how many white papers, how many patents in the archives are printed off, new discoveries or testimony, nothing's going to sway people ever. They're already cemented, they're concrete, unmovable in their stance. And I went on to start discussing, which is interesting, because three years ago, people thought you are crazy, right? They're not saying that now. Now, I've moved on to basically two levels, two levels higher of what the end game is. And just as, and then I'll let you talk, because it's more about you than people listening to me chat. But just as three years ago, what I discuss in detail seems shocking and unbelievable. Everything that I'm saying now that we will see in the next seven years is equally as shocking and unbelievable. And what I, what's interesting is when I get emails, Joe, and correspondence, where people are very concerned, but, but they're confused. And if there's some doubt, I respond to them. I go, wait a minute. This is the same, you're talking, this is the same individual who was very clear three years ago. It was 100% accurate. And I'm telling you what's going to happen in the next seven years. Why would you question me when I'm batting a thousand? You look at baseball, if anyone's a baseball fan and someone's batting a thousand, and you doubt when they come up to the plate and there's one or two outs and bases loaded and you're thinking, boy, is he going to strike out? No, not if he's batting, batting a thousand. So what I found is the majority of mankind, I don't know if they're scared or they want to be in a comfort zone. They refuse to meditate and ponder on potential what ifs and they will not take defensive posture to prepare even if they they are told well ahead of time here's what to expect they won't be proactive they will wait till the crisis the crisis is actually upon them and their family their neighborhood and community and then expect at the last minute to have some solution to bail them out when we're facing situations in society where that's no longer ever going to be the case, where there's the luxury of doing nothing, procrastinating, wait till the crisis is on your doorstep, then react. Because now it's going to be at a point where there's either permanent death or at a, a spiritual level where there's such complexities with technology that the jeopardy of the essence of who you are and your consciousness could be hijacked permanently and you'll never get the essence of being human back ever again. So these are very high stakes. No one listens, Joe, no one cares. No one listens. No one takes a defensive posture, even though I've got a track record that's impeccable. I can't figure it out, Joe. I mean, I'm not going to lie Jet. Like, sorry. What well, can I, my apologies. Can I, can I use that name? Jeff? Yeah. Or okay. It, I still, try not to think too much about some of the stuff you said, honestly, just it, 
history, I was trained in history to kind of remember, you know, how things connect and dates and whatnot too. So I remember a lot, just about everything you said. And I'm like, I try not to think about it too much, but it's there. But that doesn't stop me from stocking up food or paying down debt or, you know, all the things to just try and get someone out of the way. I will never be 100% perfect, but I'm going to try to at least get out of the way. For me personally, within my circles, where I started distancing myself from other people was when their response to everything happening back in 2020 was trying to get back to normal, trying to get back to normal. And I'm like, what are you guys talking about? Like, this is, I don't think you've realized this is the Wiley Coyote moment. You've already gone off a cliff. You just haven't yeah. started falling yet. You just haven't started falling. Like you, you can't realize you're still running and you're defying gravity, but gravity is going to kick in at some point and you start falling down. So I am very aware of the things you've said. I am very aware of what's going on. And even there's, there's some things I'm probably not even aware of because it's a lot. It's a lot. And I can't really even blame people for not really taking a moment to take it all in because that means accepting your reality is your new reality or what is your reality that you've known is gone. You know, the human mind, it's a funny thing. It's but... At the same time, a lot of these people are going to have a really, really difficult time. And I, I just try and distance myself at that point because, you know, it, it, desperate people do desperate things. And when people have nothing else to lose, they lose it. So I try and just put some distance between, you know, people knowing where I am now or, hey, you know, I'm coming to your place. I'm like, no, no, you're not. So it's, it's there's certain things I've done that just get out of the way. Just get out of the way as much as you can. You will never be fully out of the way, but just get out of the way as much as you can. Well, it's it's there's a little bit different of urgency because my my kids are in their twenties, but you have a younger family, don't you? Mm-hmm. I, yes, yes, I'm I'm very aware of that too. And they they're running you don't have ragged. the luxury. You don't have no. the luxury of sticking your head in the sand because you've got little ones. Exactly. They're, yeah, they're resting on your shoulders right now. You're your strategic command. And if you fumble the football or get sacked, they're going to suffer the consequences. So as far as being sober as to the complexities of what's what's happening, because you're aware of what the, these, I don't know, I look this, the psychopathic is maybe one of the many definitions that would be appropriate. But when you have this, this group of technocracy where they're wanting to merge humans with Silicon Valley technology, kind of a Borg chipped or interfaced with the internet of things, internet of body, the metaverse where, where they're pushing. That's, that's right when your kids are going to be in their late teens and early twenties. And they're mm-hmm. wanting to, they're wanting to control DNA. They're wanting to, to control consciousness. And in the crosshairs would be the generation of your children. That's, that's who they're focusing on. I'm, I'm in my fifties. So I'm kind of a, an old buzzard at this point. And if my life's cut short by some government entity, I'm at a point where I'm, I'm like, whatever it's, I've seen enough and where the world's headed, it, it doesn't bother me, but for the young ones, like that, that's a huge concern. So I, I kind of fight for that generation. I'm fighting for the 20 year olds and younger, which your kids fit in. 
Well, another side note, which I didn't share, they said my wife would never have children in the first place. So I'm kind of, you know, grateful for even the experience of having kids right now, which doesn't mean I lay down and just, you know, let the world roll over. I'm going to do everything that I can to make sure they have a path set before them and educate them properly for what's going on here. But I just count my blessings at every, at every corner because, you know, it, it's science that's trust the science. You'll never have children. Like, okay, yeah. <laughs> okay, thank you. You know, I was like, well, what, what is this? You know, so I just have right. to kind of keep that in the back of my head, regardless of what yeah. science says. It's just, it, it doesn't mean anything. If, if you have faith, if you have faith, it's still going to happen. So I keep that in the back of my head, but faith doesn't mean no work, in my opinion. So I, yeah. I'm here working and still trying to just maintain my mindset amidst society while everything just goes, you know, cuckoo. So they, I think by definition, they call your kids like miracle babies where you're I, I not. I would think that would be the definition. Fit. Yeah. Yeah. Now they, the. I, it's a lack of words for me, the, the state of the educational system, especially public school, yep. public, what are your thoughts on that? I know some public schools are, are still halfway decent, but uh, there, there's a lot that to me are bizarro and just absolutely a wackadoodle. And I would never have my kids enrolled in a lot of these school districts and the mindset of the school board and superintendents. But with your kids, have you thought about, are, are you going to go to the private school route or homeschool or are you in an area where the public school still seems to be somewhat balanced and normal? Or does that not even exist today? What, what are your thoughts? I was just going to be polite and let you finish your, your comment, but we've been homeschooling for the past two years. Since this COVID started, we're just like, Okay. We got a glimpse into what kindergarten was like for our now six-year-old. I was like, no way, man. There's, there's just there's just no way you can actually send them back to that environment. So, okay. yeah, it's, it, it's, it's tough. Like I said, it's, oh gosh, I'm just blissfully fatigued, but it's a lot. But at the same time, I just, I have a hard time giving my kids away to that institution. That's probably why, mm-hmm. you know, God bless them all. A lot of my peers just can't see what's happening. It's like, yeah. and, not, and not to say public education will just block off your, your vision for perception, but it's going to be a lot easier if you're not going through a 12-step program. So, yep. you know, that, that's just is my opinion. You know, I'm not, I'm not knocking all, edu- all public education, but I want to have as much influence on my kids as possible. You know, it's interesting. When I, I, w- I went to several schools i have multiple degrees but some of the school one of the schools i went to is is a private college very exclusive school high-end and i i I worked hard with my homework and and, in studying and and did very well but i competed it was interesting i competed with the best students in the school that I competed with, they were all homeschooled. And they they were some brilliant, bright kids. And the, the, the last degree I got, I was a little bit older than the students. They were younger than me. But the homeschool kids absolutely outperformed everyone else. It was very noticeable. So they gave me a, a run for my money. It was summa cum laude. But I thought, well, that that says something 
I've had many run-ins and real good friends that homeschool their children. And from my perspective, I haven't seen any negative aspects of homeschool. And I think the programs are really neat today because they even have where homeschools, you can participate in, in sports and then they interact with other homeschool kids. So you don't have that awkward because people say, well, I, I don't know if they're really socially adjusted when they're homeschooled because they're, they're not with kids of like, well, yeah, yeah. Nowadays they have programs where they're not isolated in a, a backwards Appalachian town, but uh, they were very well developed. And seeing that gave me great respect for homeschool kids. Well, I think in the, in the eighties, homeschool kids were kind of made fun of. I don't think anymore. I think they're actually doing way better than even some private school kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So my six-year-old, I mean, we have him, you know, he's multiplying already doing planets. We're doing, you know, science reading is through the roof. Yeah. I mean, I have no complaints either. I just accept, you know, you give me a hard time. You know, the, your, your kids are always going to give you a hard time. That's just how it's going to go. So, sure. you know, there's sometimes he doesn't want to do things and I have to remember, you know, we're, we're teachers right now, not parents. So <laughs> right. there's a certain, a certain, you know, on off switch I need to have at times. Are you able to, what, with the six year old that might, that might be still kind of young, but I don't know. Is there any indication yet of your six year old, what they might show subjects that they're more mostly interested in can you tell yet he's big into i try and incorporate legos and following directions he brought this up too in some of your chats following instructions of legos are designed for children but there's an aptitude for following those those technical instructions Mm -hmm. so we we try and do that I'm, i'm thinking at some point he loves math and he loves following instructions so i'm thinking already maybe some aptitude for engineering i i don't know yeah. And also space, science, planets, astronomy, oh, um, okay. solar system, suns. You know, we're trying to incorporate as much as we can, as soon as we can, to find out what his interests are, are, are going to be at and just kind of focus on that. Yeah, because I'd say probably by time kids are 10 and 11, you'd probably get a good idea of the vector where they're headed. Probably by 10, 11, you'll know if they love cooking or singing, playing the musical instruments, or if they're Lego, erector set type, or now, mm-hmm. now it's probably robotics with a PCB board, or if it's in literature, maybe they, they like reading, painting, history. I think by 10 or 11, you probably have a really good idea. And it, it's just knowing you is the number of years I've known you, I'm sure that you're, you let them develop. You're not a helicopter parent trying to dictate Within reason, <laughs> within reason, if they're doing backflips off the couch, I'm definitely interjecting. But uh, as far as just learning and trying to do something new, if, if there's interest, I will do my best to help them along with that. So I do a lot of charting and, you know, you know, if we're talking here, we, we probably know folks are into Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. So mm-hmm. understanding some level of like technical analysis or looking at charts or figuring out where to get in, where to get out. My son's looking at me now doing that. And I'm like, 
he's like, what is that, daddy? Is that numbers? I'm like, yes, yeah, numbers, it's charts, it's candlesticks. It's so I'm like, oh, okay. So you're looking at what dad's doing. Hey, let's, let's try and nurture that if there's interest. Have you noticed on cryptocurrencies that I'm still amazed at the high, high percentage of people that do not understand blockchain, cryptocurrencies, they don't understand how proof of work, proof of stake, mm -hmm. what, that, what that means, and smart contracts, operability, these terms are foreign to them. And I'm like, man, so many people, I'm thinking, you need to start that learning curve and get up to speed. Otherwise, that'd be like someone, what, still working with a IBM ribbon typewriter? You know, mainframe or something. Yeah. It's just yeah, like, wow, like, it's, 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 this is old school. So like, so, it's, yeah, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Because what happens is they, they talk about, I, I can, I know they, they're highly uneducated in the field and especially lamestream media, which are absolutely propaganda sponsored material. I have zero respect for media, mainstream media. I haven't listened to them and 18 plus years, but this FTX scandal, which, you know, Stevie Wonder could see, could see it a mile away that it was a, it was fraudulent way more so than even Mt. Gox, but they're blaming FTX and exchanges. What happens, not all exchanges, but some of the exchanges like FTX and they're lumping that in with why cryptocurrencies are risky and volatile and should be approached with extreme caution. I'm like, exchanges have nothing to do with Bitcoin and SHA-256 or Litecoin or Ethereum. Ethereum Classic, Cardano, Monero, and the list goes on. So it's it's amazing that people don't see, and I've I I think you know this because when we first when we first met, I'd written over way over 400 articles on Steemit about cryptocurrencies yep. and would be a guest on a certain cryptocurrency show that it doesn't exist anymore on YouTube. But the when I first heard about the the mystery Satoshi Nakamoto, which, which I'm sure is not one particular individual, but the white paper of Bitcoin, when I took the time to understand blockchain and solving the double spending problem and the fact that there's a limited number of coins that would be mined, you cannot counterfeit the coins and how the blockchain works. Once I wrapped my head around it, I knew immediately there's no question everything will have to go on the blockchain. The entire planet will have to go on the blockchain. There's no exceptions. That's the only way it can go. And uh, who today, I asked the question, and I always get snickers. I said, when's the last time you've seen, let alone gone to, let's say, a Dodge dealership? When's the last time you've gone to a Dodge dealership and in the showroom, I could be wrong. Someone out there can email me if, I, if I'm wrong. You go into a showroom and sitting in the showroom roped off 
is a brand spanking new glittering, just a beautiful, shiny 1972 Dodge Dart with drum brakes, a metal dashboard, and an AM radio. When's the last time you seen one on the road? You don't. So, well, our current monetary system, our financial system, the way corporations are run, contracts, the legal system, accounting, today's world is a 1972 Dodge Dart. And the blockchain, for example, Bitcoin and blockchain is, would be equivalent today. What do people expect out of cars? They expect disc brakes, anti-lock brakes, airbags all over the place, right? Cameras for backing up, alert sensors if you're following too close or you, you doze off at the, at the wheel. They'll have climate control with a flat screen panel and the list goes on and on and on. So that's where technology is headed. That's the only that's the only option. It's the most logical. There isn't any exception. And then people refuse to understand the technology that is coming and how it operates. So they'll wait to get involved only when they're forced to. But what's interesting, maybe get your thoughts on, on the cryptocurrency industry, because I know you're up on it as well. Like MasterCard and Visa, and then, you know, your Discover American, but MasterCard and Visa, they're already starting to interface with the blockchain in the background. So a lot of people don't realize when they swipe their MasterCard or Visa, it's actually beginning stages of, of a cryptocurrency back transaction in the background. I'll first replace Dodge Dart with Ford Pinto because this thing is going to explode and burn so bad it's not even funny i try not to think about it but i'm like oh man this is gonna tap the back bumper and the, go off in flames that, that's like a that's roman normal. candle like a roman candle 100 <laughs> so yeah like people just refuse to see just how and here's the thing my, my thing is has always been hollywood and movies because if you pay attention you can see the direction they're trying to sway the masses Mm -hmm. So, and, and also you brought up media too. You haven't watched media in like 30 years. Like if you look up the origins of the word media, you'll realize it goes back to like Greece, Roman times, more or less. And you're, people are worshiping. The time and attention is, is worshiping certain entities. So you just need to be kind of careful there. Not to go down that rabbit hole. So please don't freak me out. But yeah, that's, that's where all that is, is kind of going, you know? And that's <laughs> yeah. where people are subconsciously fueling things they shouldn't be fueling. I'm, I'm not immune myself, but at the same time, it's like you have to be careful how much attention you're putting on something because it's a program. But as far as technology in, in society, it's just, like I said, it's just that slow trickle to it's like a rolling boil. And then folks just realize, how did I get here? It's like, what happened? You know, and it's just that there's a lack of just understanding what's happening to you in the first place because you're so distracted, you're so burnt out, you're working. 12 hours a day, you can't even educate yourself, let alone you're trying to put food on the table. But what I realized at some point, you just have to kind of learn what's happening to you. There's only so many cycles you can go through before you're like, wait a minute, didn't we just go through this? And mm -hmm. what was blowing my mind now is here in 2023, 2008 wasn't that long ago. I'm like, how do we forget like what happened here? This, we, we all lived through this. You know, we were all different ages, but this wasn't that long ago. You start looking at the cycles and you start like trying to understand what's happening during the cycles. You know, I, I kind of wish myself I would have picked up on some of the cycles a little bit sooner, but 
yeah, we're, we're kind of in that repeat cycle. So unless you have that aha moment and then, you know, start your disconnecting from impressing your friends or keeping up with the trends or, you know, keeping up with the Joneses, you know, just being that guy, like until you break away from that, you're just going to keep repeating those cycles. So, and, and, but till then it's just, I'm just educating myself as much as I can, what's going on, what coin should I be holding, you know, wh what new technology should I be learning, you know, what should be going in my wallet, my hardware wallet, what is a hardware wallet? And I, oh, okay, it's just, just a, it's just a rabbit hole. And I think you've always said too, at this point, going down the rabbit hole is, doesn't even matter anymore. Like you had your moment to go down the rabbit hole and claw yourself back out of the rabbit hole. If you're going down a rabbit yeah. hole now, it's, it's a little too late because you're not going to find anything down that rabbit hole. You know, I can send you so many quotes and articles and, and, and videos that just kind of reference that. It's like, who cares? It, does, it doesn't matter anymore because we already have you right where we want you, more or less. Yep. So, you know, it's, it's, it's just one of those moments. But back to answering your question, yeah, technology, you have to pay attention. You have to educate yourself you know, and just keep up with the trends. It's, it's your responsibility to keep up with the trends and like ride this wave. Yeah. Cause they, as, as you and I know, and in, in 2007, around August, 2007, I know exactly where I was the day back then I had serious satellite radio. Yep. Yep. I know that yeah. just came online. Yep. Sirius. Yeah. And then the other one was XM, XM and Sirius were X. Yeah. 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 I think they eventually merged. They merged, yeah. But they were separate. So I had Sirius. In August of 2007, I was listening to the financial channels. And that's when you had the, the subprime crisis. And it, it all blew up. And a year later, 2008, is when Hank Paulson went in there and said, you know, we need 700 some odd billion dollars in less than 24 hours. Otherwise, the whole global financial system collapses. And then he had Lehman Brothers and Bear Stearns. So 2007, the fiat printing and printing and printing, the financial system basically collapsed. So it's been on artificial support system ever since August of 2007. And then the life support absolutely failed September 17th, 2019, when you had the repo rate had yep, about around yep. one, around one in the morning, yep. it, it spiked almost 11% around one in the morning. And the federal reserve governors were awakened out of their sleep and something had been eradicated by I think six in the morning. And Joe, it's, it's amazing to this day, 99.999% of people have no idea what I'm talking about. September 17th, 2019, with the repo rate spike at around one, two in the morning. So what's interesting is the human population, they have not bothered to educate themselves on how our financial system works. And if you don't have that knowledge, you can't take a defensive posture to try to protect yourself and your family from what's coming. And what's coming is, is not good. You're, you're hearing a lot more channel chatter on YouTube and other podcast channels, these financial guys, maybe some of them have been in the financial industry for a while. They seem to be fairly new the last three years on YouTube. I hadn't seen them before, not to take away their knowledge, 
I kind of think that they're Johnny come lately's, or maybe they just decided to do their own YouTube rumble bit shoot type channel. But the chatter is out there showing it's going to be horrific. There isn't going to be any soft landing for what's coming. And they can't kick this can down the road any further. And it's, it's going to be serious because it's, it's so bad. It's going to affect whether or not we're able to eat and feed our family. That's how bad. So we have what, at least 70, 80 years. Well, we've, it has to be at least 70 or 80 years or, or more. We, there's no one living today. Maybe my mom, she's, she's 90. Maybe she can remember as, as, as a young child, she talks about the depression and men coming in suits, knocking on the door, asking if they could do any household chores in exchange for a meal. She remembers that as a little kid in, in St. Louis when she, where she grew up. Besides that, I don't think anyone alive today can even understand what it's going to be like to maybe not even have a meal, one meal per day. And those times are, are coming and no one is actually prepared or psychologically, they don't even think that can happen. And I'm like, oh yeah, it is going to happen. It's not if, it's when. Yeah, 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 man. Like it's, uh, the psychology, this will be the greatest case study ever written as people just, you know, I, I don't even think it'll be institutions once all this is done. So I don't even know who's going to be writing the case study. Right. But it's like trying to, psychologically process this and keep it together is overwhelming for me. And like, I've been down this whole since like 2000 and geez, 2009, 2008, nine ish. So it's yeah. like, I've had years to kind of get my head around this whole thing, but I'm looking at some of my peers who just have no clue. And it's just like, you know, when people have nothing else to lose, they, they lose it. So yes. like I said, it's just the, the best course of action I can see is just to get out of the way, keep a low profile as long as you can, just, just keep your head down as long as you can. I know spiritually, there's only so long you can do that for, but yep. physically, just keep your head down as, as long as you can, you know, and just, you know, hunker down and get your canned goods, get your water, get your seeds, get your grow tents, get, get whatever you can, get some down, water catcher. Whatever you can do just to kind of think about some of these problems we have coming, just prepare for them as best you can now. And, and I'll say for the prepared mind, like chance does favor the prepared mind. If you have education in your head, you can get incredibly resourceful. You know, it's just spend some time on some of these problems and you will figure out a way to maybe overcome some of those things. Yeah. So I'll say six months, the last six months, I've changed my, my shows. And in interviews like this, I've changed and I'm starting to emphasize more and more every show the importance of remaining organic. I keep talking about simplifying your life, get out of debt, whatever it takes to get out of debt, which it took me 11 years. So let me snitch on myself. It took me 11 years to get out of debt. 11 freaking years. So when I say that, it's going to be one of the most difficult tasks you've ever embarked on. It was for me. So I know that's asking a, a lot, but it's, it's crucial for survival. I also talk about, so be patient. 
it's not going to happen in two or three years to get out of debt. But if you can spend 30 minutes a day, try to spend 30 minutes a day preparing for self-reliance. So I spend 30 minutes a day either ordering, like you said, heritage seeds, ordering buckets to collect rainwater from the gutter. I save for a green, a little greenhouse, soil, I batteries. I've got a whole assortment of AA, AAA, C and D batteries, enough to last two years. I updated all my flashlights. I updated my match matches, wood-burning stove. I got the old school, the old black cast iron Franklin wood, wood-burning stove. I updated, I made sure all my vehicles had new tires and, and the brakes, so can, canned foods, water filters. I spent 30 minutes a day preparing and actually having tangible goods in my household. And I sometimes I can pick up one extra item for maybe bartering because we're, we're gonna very soon, we're gonna be at a, a point where you, you can barter. Well, I'll be able to bar, barter batteries, alkaline batteries still in your package for 24, 36 eggs, huh. right? Yeah, just, just, yeah, it's just hard to wrap your head around it all, but it's no. like, yeah, yeah. What, right. what can you do? What skills can you do? Me, like right. you look, I'm, I'm like 6'4", 230. And folks look at me like, what do you do? It's like, well, I crochet hats, scarves, socks, blankets. Like I can yes. take like yarn and turn it into a, an item of clothing. So it's like, I've spent years just honing my craft and now, thankfully, I'm, I'm selling it with my wife's small business. So it's kind of like, what can you do? What can you make? What can you transmute yeah. into something else? So it's like, you have to get very creative here. And it's not hard. You just have to find something like teaching your kids at homeschool. What do you like to do? What can you do? What do you have an aptitude for? Do it. Like, you have to hone your craft. Now, now is the time to, like, you know. Go go in the woods and figure out what, what's your what's your path, what's your purpose. So yeah, I, everything you just mentioned, I'm I'm doing the same thing. I probably need to spend more time on doing it when I'm not you know homeschooling and job and crypto and all of this stuff. But yeah, it's like I have a pantry of stuff that I just try and rotate. You know, things I need to look at. Like oh, I I have an emergency stove, wood burning stove, tents, sleeping bags, yep. change of clothes, socks. You, you know, just the random stuff. People look at you like you're cuckoo, but it's like no. Those are very relevant things you need to have because if you can't see what's happening now, you're going to be knocking on somebody else's door, you know, and it's just like the people who answer the door may not be so nice. And what if they say no, then you're going to have to go knock on another door. So I'd rather yep. take care of that now. Plus the networks that I've built over, over the years, it's like, hey, I know how to skin a deer. I know how to go kill my deer in a tree stand. It's like it, it's develop those skills now. Right. So I, I've, I've found a community. So I've, I've found the, I'm not too far. There's a lot of Mennonites in our area. Mennonites are a little bit different than the Amish, but there's a lot of Mennonites. So I forge relationship with Mennonites. So I have farmers. I've got those that can butcher a hog. It's, and I, I found farmers that have grass-fed cattle and, and hogs. So you can go in on a fourth of a cow, a half of a hog. And, and the butcher to make sausages and bacon and, and steaks, pork, pork chops, steaks, depending on it. So yeah, finding a community, getting that skill set, that net knitting and sewing. So I, I bought an old school sewing machine. I got that. I, I 
got even, I tell people, look, you don't have to have a lot of money, but simple things like buying extra drill bits and saw blades, because you can use that for bartering. So I have two year supply. I had a construction company for many years. So I have all my tools, have all my drills and drill bits, but I bought one or two extra of everything so I could barter. We need to start thinking in, in terms like that because it's going to be necessary. Street smarts, street connections, street relationships. So we're not, we're not talking college level high IQ. We're talking common sense and street wisdom. If you've got street wisdom, you can survive. You're going to have to have a side hustle. Yeah. Like, like you've got, and even kids, I go, you know, you know, a side hustle, a side hustle could be something fun. The, the kids, for example, if, if you turn out to get a reputation where you make, you make one heck of an apple pie or chocolate chip cookies, that's a side hustle. You mm -hmm. can barter with some good, excellent recipe, grandma's recipe of chocolate chip cookies or apple pies. And you barter with that goods that that's where we're headed. Mm -hmm. People don't realize that. So I'm like, Hey, this is a, this is a heads up. You can take it as, as you want, but that's, well, it's learned something. I didn't know that you, yeah. Yet. yeah. Well, how many people actually cook and bake? Like, I mean, I, I do too. Thankfully my parents taught me how to cook at a very young age and I cook for my family just about every night, but it's like, how many people can even do that? Just take some ingredients, mix them up, like making a loaf of bread. Like that's probably a crucial one you could probably do. Just mm -hmm. here's, here's, here's a recipe of like 10 ingredients and instructions how are you going to give me a loaf of bread? You know, so. Well, what I've done is I've gone on Amazon because I thought, you know, while I still, while there's still the internet, there's still UPS and FedEx and the delivery system, because you can't take even that for granted. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm ordering hardbound books. So I'm ordering books on cooking, mm -hmm. gardening, home remedies, home first aid. I'm getting, Joe, I'm getting actual books. I'm building up my library. So if the lights go out and there's no internet, I've got the actual book with colored pictures and everything that I can reference and they're going to be worth their oh, yeah. weight in gold. Oh yeah. I got like the little mini SAS guides, like they make the little small ones. So I just have like 10, 10, 20 of them. Just like, Hey, here's all the information. I have the homesteading books. I have all the PDFs on my phone. So if I get access to a printer, I could print them out. I've printed them out already, but it's just like, I have all the PDFs for emergency guides, FEMA guides, whatever. It's just stuff socked away that you just forget about. It's like, oh, there's no power. My phone's still working. What do I do with this? Search. Here it is. You know, it's just information. So it's like, we're just so used to, you know, we have the library of Alexander in our pocket and we just take it for granted. It's just kind of, you know, different strokes for different folks. It's like, do something that's going to use knowledge that's going to be beneficial to you, even if you don't understand the time we're in. So, well, we're, we're coming up on the hour and I know it's, it's, it was, it's, I didn't take this for granted because it was tough getting our schedules lined up and you're busy with your family and this time was precious and you've got to get up for work. I know in the morning, so I didn't want to keep you up too late We're we're in different time zones, but we can always have a, another interview. This won't would necessarily be the one, one and only, but is there anything in conclusion that you would like to state to the ethereal underground audience, or is there anything you would like to maybe plant a seed for a possible episode two, a subject matter that you'd like to talk about next time? I'll kind of give you like the last minute or two. The first thing I'll say is thank you. It, it's when I first found you on that, you know, non-existence crypto channel now, like I was like, who is this 
who's this crazy who's this whack job you know so it's kind of <laughs> like i'm sure we all said it at some point yeah but after listening and you know the 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 study course and i'm like what the heck is this you know this is this is some stuff here and which I'm finding a lot of the stuff from that study course is now applicable to my life. I, I, I try and do the best I can with adhering to, you know, a lot of what I learn. I mm-hmm. fall down to just like everybody else, but it's very applicable. And it's just, I look back from 2017, 2018, I'm like, wow, I can remember, you know, talking about this chapter or that chapter. And it's just, it all, it still sticks with me. So thank you for your time. Thank you for, you know, your your time. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your knowledge. I, I really do appreciate it because it's kind of, it served me well since, <laughs> since 2020, 2021. So I'm sure now, more is to come. I think for the rest, for just for the rest of the audience, in case you're wondering what's Joe talking about, we spent a lot of time together as a group of us, member Cliff, our good buddy Cliff in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, th- there's a lot of us. We've known each other for at least four plus years now. We, we kind of bonded like a family, but we had some very, High level, I would say they were because of my skill set. And I taught these classes. These were PhD level of ancient texts, historical records and, and ancient texts, a very advanced philosophical study and discussion is what Joe was referring to. And he yeah. was part of that part of that group for two years. We went through yeah. two, it was almost a two and a half year program, PhD yep. level. And Very intense. that's Very what he's intense. saying is he's never forgotten. No one has in our, in our original group, there's been about 960 people in five years that have started this. A few went the full two, it's almost two and a half years. Joe's one of them, but out of 960 people, there's about 50 of us that have really bonded and we stay in touch, you know, via discord or emails and texting. Even a lot of us haven't been able to meet in person. It's as if we've known each other for years. So that's what Joe was referring to. Yep. Yep. I maybe fell asleep on one class. It was just the kids were wearing me out that day. And I probably <laughs> fell asleep. <laughs> well, maybe that's not one. bad. You, usually, you, usually I'm pretty good about putting most people to sleep with my presentation. <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of stuff will scare the crap out of you. You can't sleep. So, you yeah. know, it's just... <laughs> But beyond that, though, I'll also say uh, for, for another topic, I mean, uh, there's a lot of just history in my head. I'm just trying to formulate some, you know, timelines and all this stuff, too. And it's just stuff pops up and I was trying to fit it, fit it into the timeline of where it, it's all kind of, you know, where stuff went off the rails and where, you know, these religions collided or, you know, where, where this plan was implemented. It's just putting a lot of it still together. But I mean, I have a good foundation of, you know, where we've been and where we're going, but I'm still just filling in some pieces here and there. So if there's any conversations you want to have about that, I'm, I'm always open for that as well, too. Okay. So how about, how about if I leave it at this? Here's a cliffhanger for you in the audience. And, and we, we could pick up on, I, I'm going to get a lot of emails, Joe, what I'm about to say. Are you ready? Go ahead. We could pick up on this. If, if we have a part two, we'll figure out you know, what works again, an hour with your family. You're, you're super, super busy, but we can make it work. Check this out. What if I told you there was an ancient historical prophecy, a timeline that was somewhat hidden, a coded timeline in ancient texts, but the timeline can be figured out 
And it started at a historical event in 607 BCE. That's before Common Era. And the current world power at the time was the Babylonians. They had replaced the Assyrian Empire that had replaced the Egyptian Empire. So Egyptian Empire ceased to exist. They were, they were a regional power. The Assyrians regional. Now we're talking about the world power at that time was the Babylonian. A very rare, hidden, but detectable timeline prophecy the ancient texts reveal that started in 607 BCE. Why is that important? There's something very interesting that happened in the late 1800s to early 1900s. You remember Tesla? Yeah. Yep. Remember yep. Edison? Yep. Westinghouse? J.P. Yeah. Morgan? Yeah. J.P. Morgan, Chase Bank? Yep. Okay. Heaviside, Steinmetz, Faraday, all these great scientists, Dr. Royal Raymond Rife. Rife. Yeah. How about the Vanderbilts, the DuPonts? Any of those yep. names sound familiar? Oh, yeah. That's the industrial, that's the okay. modern U.S. industrial age, more or less. Some, yeah. So something happened between the late 1800s and before 1914. Yeah, I knew you were going to say 1913, 1914. How did I and know when, that? And when you, you find out this puzzle that these ancient texts have hidden and what's going, your jaw will drop to the floor as to what happened to mankind and society between the late 1800s and early 1900s, there was a pivotal shift. What happened? What's the agenda? And this involves counter space and non-human entities. <laughs> and once you figure out this puzzle in this timeline, everything we see today makes sense. It makes sense way beyond planet Earth as well. Hmm. And also it's forecasted what's going to happen in the near future. And it'll give you goosebumps. Hmm. So I'll leave it at that. Yeah, that'll, always, that'll always cliffhangers. <laughs> always with the cliffhangers, Jed. Okay. That's, that's I'll, I'll do some research and see what, okay. see what I can find. So 1607 BCE and then late 1800 to 1913. Okay. I'll see what I can find. <laughs> okay. And one last clue. You're writing down these clues. I am. So Joe's writing notes, but the listening audience. Look at the world fairs, the world's fairs, late 1800s into the 1900s. Okay. You had the Chicago World's Fair, the St. Louis, the Philadelphia, New York, these world fairs. Look at what was, look at the technology. Mm -hmm. Look, look where mankind was headed and look at the mindset of the culture. What was the general consensus of Europe, North America, Canada, the, the first world nations? And something dramatically happened and mankind's course drastically veered. What's this all about? There's an answer, and it'll give you goosebumps when you find this answer out. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Okay. So we'll we'll leave, we'll leave it at that. Be interesting to see how many people my podcasts are starting to get picked up more and more. This is going to be very interesting, especially if people lasted to the last 15 minutes of our conversation. Mhm. Mm Cuz it really gets excited.
And this is this is worth every bit of homework. And it's definitely I would not miss the second episode. Oh, no pressure on me. I mean, <laughs> no pressure on me. So uh, thanks for that one, Jed. <laughs> yeah. Well, that'll, that'll, that'll help you kick off tomorrow, another work week. You'll oh, think great. That. Yeah. That's our new job tomorrow. So I'm like, oh, great. Thanks, Jed. <laughs> My brain's fried. <laughs> All right. All well, right. Joe, uh, thanks for being on Ethereal Underground and episode 42. And I look forward to a second interview. We'll get that scheduled whenever that might be. If it's say March, we'll, we'll have it. We'll, we'll bring back this point because I'm sure people, I know I'm going to get a lot of emails and text messages on this last 15 minutes because it's a doozy and you won't find this anywhere on YouTube or anywhere on social media. Guaranteed. This is, this is ancient secrets and only certain society secret societies probably know about this they're not going to say anything i'm not part of any secret society but i have dis- discovered this in great detail because that's part of my education i went to certain private schools and was privileged to have information then i did connecting the dots mm-hmm. took, took several years and i found out the mystery so until next time you have a great week. You're starting a new job, you said, tomorrow? Yeah, starting a new job. Actually, on, on Wednesday. So I, I got some time. So, But I, this is going to fry my brain for a little bit. I, I got a whole bunch of data running through my head as it, as it is. I don't know if any of it's correct. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell, tell your family hi, and we, we wish you well. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, Chad. It's been a pleasure.